Exodus chapter number 11, I'm going to just, I'm going to read several passages probably to you, but I'm just going to read these two verses to lay a foundation, and then we're going to pray together tonight. And Exodus chapter number 11, verse number 6 and verse number 7, and it says, And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord doeth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. For a few moments, for a subject tonight, I want to simply preach to you, if the Lord would help me, on the difference. Notice with me in verse number 7. It says, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that you may know how the Lord doeth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you for the men and women of God that is in this house and those that are joining us by way of technology tonight. I pray that you would anoint this vessel of clay to speak your word as you have delivered it to me. I pray that I would decrease so that you would increase. I pray that the authority of the Holy Spirit would come in this room and that we would hear and we would respond accordingly. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. And the church says, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this evening. What we are reading in this passage of Scripture, we know this. It was a time of judgment and deliverance that had arrived at the exact same time. Now, in order for us to get a full picture, I believe it's important that I read the first few verses of the following chapter. In Exodus chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 1, it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, and saying that in the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening." Now they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the prudence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your lawns girded, with your shoes on your feet, with your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. Verse number 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now let us examine the meaning of this together for a few moments tonight. In order for us to process this passage correctly, it is important for us to revisit the events leading up to this very specific moment in history. Now please don't turn me off or tune me out because you think you know this story. Because how many's heard this story before? 
We've heard it multiple times. But I want to remind you this is a living, breathing word that continually speaks and continually brings revelation to you and I. So if you stay with me just for a little while, I believe we can get somewhere together tonight. Israel was dwelling in Egypt, and it had for many years. We know this, that they was under the blessing of God, even though they was in a strange land. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the book of Exodus, you will find that the children of Israel, they was fruitful, they increased abundantly, and they multiplied, and they waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them, is what your Bible says in Exodus chapter 1, verse number 7. However, it was in this time of expansion and this time of flourishing that we find in verse number 6 of that chapter that it says, And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all of that generation. Now, something else began to transpire. Because of the process of time, we find that in Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, that it says that there arose up a new king, over Egypt, which did not know Joseph, and he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel, they are more and they are mightier than we are. Come on and let us deal with them wisely, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when they falleth out at, with us in any type of war, if they was to join with our enemies, they would destroy us or they would overthrow us. So he said, let us deal wisely with them. I believe that his decision to deal wisely with them was not a decision that he sought Jehovah for direction in. Because we find in verse number 11 of chapter number 1, it says that he did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. But not with just any burdens, but when you go to a few verses down in 13 and 14, it simply says that he made the children of Israel to serve with rigor and that he made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. That's just a nice way of saying that he made them slaves. Please hear me. If that wasn't enough, however... As he began to imply these things upon the children of Israel, your Bible says that it did not stop, but they continued to multiply and they continued to be great in the land. So he progressed in a manner where he began to seek out those that was helping bring life within the children of Israel. And he simply gave them instructions that if a Hebrew woman gives birth to a male child, then slaughter him. But we find that they decided it was better to fear the Lord than to fear man. And therefore, they refused to obey that order, which then... Caused a progression of assault because then we find that he commissioned his fellow Egyptian men, men of statue, men of power, men of authority, men of war, to take every male child and throw them into the river when they was born. Now, we find that in this setting, Heavy labor, rigorous schedules, children been slaughtered. We find that there was a boy and his mother hid him for three months until she could hide him no more. And she placed him in the river in a little bulrush basket. And strategically, by the hand of the Lord, knowing it was a place where Egyptian authorities bathed, we find that Pharaoh's daughter heard the crying of this little Hebrew boy. 
For the sake of time, we will not go through all of this story, but we will say this, that this little boy began to be raised in the house of the Pharaoh. And we find that he began to know Egyptian culture. And we find that this little child grows into a man. And during this time, we see that as we fast forward a few years, Moses is now a man and he's faced with a decision. Will I be an Egyptian or will I be who God created me to be? And we know that in the streets there's a time of conflict. And we know that because he sees one of the Hebrew brethren been really mistreated and handled wrongly, that he rises up in anger and he brings death to an Egyptian. And we find that he runs for his life. The children of Israel now have become so heavy. Our Bible tells us that that king, he dies. Moses on the backside of the desert, created a life for himself, tending his father-in-law's sheep. But all of a sudden, the children of Israel in Exodus chapter number 2, verse 23 through 25, it says, And it come to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel, they sighed by reason of all the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by the reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered. I'm thankful God remembers today. And when God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God looked upon the children of Israel, and it says God had respect unto them. May I remind us that God still hears his children. Moses is on the backside of the desert at this time, and he has a visitation. It was not uncommon to see a bush that is burning in the desert. However, it is uncommon when you see a bush on fire that's not been consumed. And we find that when you begin to read through chapter number 3 of the book of Exodus, you find that it says the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And I like this. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him. You know, sometimes we're waiting on God, but God's got things burning all around us because he just wants us to pause and turn and see what he's doing. Wonder how many burning bushes has been in your life that you just kept walking by. Just asking tonight. Please stay with me. It says, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and he said this, don't draw any closer. But put off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am, notice how God identifies himself. He says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon. But notice immediately, God gets down to business. Verse number 7, he simply says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians unto a land I'm going to take them that is flowing with milk and honey. And he said, now therefore in verse number nine, behold the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. He says, come now Moses and I want you to go stand before Pharaoh and you are going to lead my people. Notice. Most of you are familiar, so I will not take the time to go through the conversation that Moses had with the Lord at that time. But we find if we fast forward just a little bit, Moses and Aaron is standing before the Pharaoh. As they're standing there time after time, Moses hears, I will not let Israel go. Time will not allow us to visit every event that transpired through that time. However, I do want to take just a moment and I want us to visit one because we see that in this land began to be plagued in different, many different manners. The people of Egypt began to have to endure great difficulty and hardship. They experienced their water turning to blood. How many knows that's not very appetizing? 
They began to experience frogs covering everything around them. Don't want to live there. Can I tell you, if that wasn't enough, lice began to invade them. Flies overtook them. Their livestock was destroyed. Boils plagued their bodies. Hell fell from the heavenlies. Locusts ate up the landscape. But then we find the ninth thing that happened is that the Lord began to speak to Moses. And he said this, Moses, I want you to stretch your rod out one more time. I want you to stretch your rod out because I want darkness to come upon the land. And for three days, it says this in your Bible, in Exodus chapter number 10, verse 21 through 23, that it says that the Egyptians did not see one another, neither did they raise from their place for three days because the darkness was so deep and so gross. Uh, but it says at the same time, all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. I'm trying to get to a place where I can preach for a few moments on the difference. Notice judgment was beginning to take its toll, but the leader of Egypt was still trying to negotiate with Moses. In chapter number 10, verse 24 and the following, he says, go serve your Lord. Take your little ones with you, but leave your livestock. Leave your animals here. But Moses said, there shall not be anything that has a hoof left behind when we leave. And we find that the word of the Lord says that he hardened the heart of the Pharaoh once again. It was all by design. It made no sense in the natural. However, I'm sure on both sides, there was people trying to figure out what in the world was going on. This is great conflict if he had just let them go. But God was bringing selective judgment. If you read, if you really read, you find that it says that Moses, I am going to bring judgment upon the gods of Egypt. He was dealing specifically with every idol god that was brought uh, and that, had been, that men had tried to use to replace his very existence. Uh, but can I tell you, as you begin to walk through this story, uh, we find that it gets very interesting. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go, which then sets the stage for our text this evening. It was a night like no other. We could talk to you. Anybody remember the story, the Christmas story? It was the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. It was a, it was a very unique time, right? Can I tell you, that night has nothing on this night. Because God says, I'm getting ready. If you really read throughout this event, he then begins to have a personal conversation with the man of God and says, now I'm going to let him let you go. But something is getting ready to change and transpire. I promise I'm going somewhere with you tonight. Israel receives clear and precise instructions. They were given a space of time to have everything prepared. It was to be the defining moment for a people. The judgment of the hour was going to produce one of the greatest deliverance that had ever been known to man. Israel was about to be adorned with the jewels of her enemy. Notice the time had come. The Lord himself had determined it's enough. The day had come for the final blow to be delivered. That's why when we read in Exodus chapter 11, verse number 1 through verse number 3, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Yet will I bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, and after he will let you go. When he shall let you go, you shall surely thrust you out at hence altogether. He says, Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Notice this, and the Lord gave the people favor. I want to stop right here because there is a prophetic event in this very moment. I can say this from personal experience. There was a specific season that was developing and was getting ready to take place in the nation of Egypt, and it was getting ready to benefit the children of Israel. And I can tell you it was one of the darkest times in history. It was one of the most oppressing times in history. But all of a sudden, for no reason at all, all of a sudden, 
those that was oppressing the children of God began to favor them because of what God began to do in the heavenly realm. I'm here to tell you, I'm a blessed guy. And I take that and I don't say that arrogantly. But even though I've been blessed and I've worked hard and, and I give God glory for my health and the creativity that I've been blessed with, what little I have, but I can tell you this, God's blessed me. But even because of that, I will tell you that over the last 12 months, I've never been blessed like I've been blessed as far as not me personally, but everything that I'm involved in. Because can I tell you, in the last 12 months, hundreds of thousands of dollars has came through this hand, and they've all went out this hand. And I don't say that braggingly, but I'm saying that's how God works. People don't just give things away unless God is doing something. But can I tell you, I say that to say this, there was something that began to move in the spirit realm that began to set the stage for what God was about to do in this next moment. And can I tell you, there is divine favor that has began to be released upon the people of God in this season. And people may not understand what's happening, but I can tell you what's happening. Uh, is God has said, this is a new season, and this is a new time, and I'm about to do what I've always done before. Uh, listen, I'm not here to hype you up. I'm here to give you a prophetic word from the Lord tonight, and that is this, uh, that just like then, uh, now, uh, God is about to show himself mightily and there is a difference that's about to be on display in the world. Uh, can I tell you, uh, they did not understand what was getting ready to happen, but God said, Moses, if you'll just trust me, uh, I'm about to do something uh, that's going to shake the foundation of everybody that's around you. Uh, I'm about to get glory and honor like I've never known before. Can I tell you, uh, we find that in this passage, uh, Moses says, uh, you need to listen. Uh, he, he, let me back that up. Uh, the Lord says to Moses, you need to listen uh, because it's not going to be like it's always been. Uh, you've went and stood before him uh, multiple times. Uh, but when you get to the end of chapter number 11 uh, and there's trying to be a negotiation with Pharaoh uh, and Moses, he said, uh, oh, just go, but leave your animals. And he said, nope, I'm not doing it. Uh, there won't be a hoof left behind when we leave. Uh, and he simply says, then get out of my sight. You'll never stand before me again again. And the Lord said, that's exactly right. You will never have to face him again because now I'm about to do something supernaturally. He says, I want you to make this a new season. I want you to make a declaration. Moses, I want you to go stand before the elders. I want you to call them together and tell them that something is changing. Right now, it's going to be the first month of the first year and there's going to be a different cycle. This is going to be called the Lord's Passover. Uh, on the 10th day of this month, uh, I want you to go get everybody a lamb. Uh, I want you to put it up in their house for three days. And we find that then uh, on the 14th of this uh, month, uh, I want you to take that lamb in of the evening. Uh, I want them to sacrifice it. I want them to cut it up. Uh, I want them to get the meat ready. I want them to do uh, what they know to do, but it's going to be different now. Uh, also, I want you to realize I'm going to release something uh, that is going to take and make a difference. Uh, at midnight, uh, I'm going to go out in the midst of Egypt uh, and I'm going to strike down the first born of everyone that's there. Uh, but if you don't want death to come to your house, uh, you're going to have to do something, Moses. Uh, and the children of God's going to have to do something. Uh, they're going to have to go get them some hyssop branches. Uh, they're going to have to put it down in the basins of the blood. Uh, and they're going to have to strike the lintel and the upper post uh, of the door. Uh, and when I come through tonight, uh, then there will not be anything come nigh you. Uh, but in in the midst of the darkness, there's going to be a cry. Uh, he said, I'm setting a difference uh, between my people uh, and the children of Egypt. Uh, you say, what is this important? Can I tell you? Uh, what was about to be released uh, was going to touch everything uh, that was outside the blood. 
And I'm here to tell somebody tonight, uh, maybe everybody, some of you can just brush it off uh, and think it's not a big deal. Uh, but can I tell you, when God says it's enough, uh, it's enough. Uh, I don't care what political party's in session. Uh, I don't care what religious people may say or do. Uh, I know that some say, oh, you got to be careful. Uh, but listen, uh, in this time and this season, uh, this difference is going to require the children of God uh, to once again again come into alignment with the word of God. Uh, if Israel was going to walk in life, uh, they was going to have to have blood present. Uh, if they wasn't going to experience the same cry of defeat as the world, uh, there was going to have to be something different about their house. Uh, can I tell you, uh, when we begin to look at this story, uh, I know people will tell me, well, uh, you got to be careful, preacher. Uh, you got to be sensitive. Uh, you got to make sure that you're politically correct. Uh, oh, you have to watch how you use Use your pronouns now, uh, and maybe, just maybe, you need to be a little bit more open-minded. Uh, I'm going to tell you, and I am not going to apologize for it, uh, in the year 2023, uh, in the month of January, uh, it's still going to take the blood of Jesus. Uh, you cannot get around it, uh, nor should you try. Uh, but when somebody gets under the blood, can I tell you, uh, I don't have to worry about what's getting ready to happen. Uh, I don't have to worry about what's getting ready to take place. Uh, but I know that I know that I know uh, that I'm serving a God that still puts a difference uh, between the world uh, and his people. Uh, I know that I live in this world, uh, but I'm not of this world. Uh, I know that there's things that happen in this world that has effects on me, uh, but it does not have the final authority over my life. Uh, come to tell somebody today uh, that we are in a prophetic moment, uh, and just like then, uh, I'm here to tell you uh, that there is is a time of turbulence that's coming uh, and in this turbulence uh, it is not for the people of God to be faint of heart uh, it is not for us to shriek back and say oh I don't know what I'm going to do uh, but it's a time for us to get in the house uh, and get the blood applied again uh, listen it's not enough to take the blood and say or to take the lamb and say oh I've got the lamb uh, listen uh, the world's got to once again see the blood on the house of God uh, I'm here to tell you you can sit there while I preach this thing tonight, it's all right. Uh, listen, uh, I'm here to tell somebody, uh, it's not enough to check the religious boxes of our day, uh, but there's a difference, uh, and this difference uh, is going to bring life to your family. Uh, this difference is going to bring life to your community. Uh, this difference will bring freedom uh, to a land that's filled with bondage, uh, but somebody's got to get the lamb. Right. Notice with me, I'm hurrying. Moses comes, begins to speak to the people. All of a sudden, things begin to be set in motion. And I have to say to you tonight, if we are going to lead people into the promise, then we still have to partake of the lamb as well. Not only must we open our door to him, but please hear me. We must be willing to let the world see the blood that he shed on our behalf. If I could, for a moment, I'd like to speak to husbands and daddies and granddads, as well as wives, mothers, and grandmas. It's time to stop with the silliness and realize it's our responsibility to get our families under the blood. The world is once again getting ready to witness the difference the cry that was heard then is the same type of cry that we are about to hear now. There are those that will feel his wrath, but there will also be those that will experience his glory. The difference maker is the blood. I wish you could go with me in your mind just for a moment. I'd like for you to go with me into a time of the wee hours of the morning, not much moving, not much stirring, just a blanket of darkness. People went to bed like they had every day of their life. And while they was aware of the condition of their day and they had went through the frogs, the lice and They'd went through the darkness and they'd went through all this stuff and 
they were still calling out to their idol gods in Egypt. And they laid down on their bed. But all of a sudden, the darkness began to be penetrated by a scream and a cry. And then another cry. And then another cry. And then another cry. From the one sitting on the throne to the poorest one in Egypt crying, looking around the firstborn of every house, dead. Livestock and beast laying dead. Everything upside down. And all of a sudden, the children of Israel, what's the noise? What's the commotion? Oh, my, my son is dead. Well, my son is dead. My son is dead. Can you imagine them running into the room of their children? Well, ours is fine. Well, ours is fine. There began to be a cry of desperation and a cry of thanksgiving at the same time. It was a defining moment. There was no denying of what was transpiring. The children of Israel did not have one death and the children of Egypt was plagued with death. You could not deny that God Almighty had once again protected, and caused a difference to be made. Hear me today. The difference was not because Moses stood in front of the people. The difference was not because the people said, that's encouraging words. The difference was not because somebody took a lamb and brought it into their house and cut it up in pieces like he was instructed to. The difference for the cry was the fact that there was blood applied to the house. Why do I make that statement? Is because, can I tell you, there is lots of people that are trying to do it in their own manner, in their own way in this hour. But I have to remind you and I today that the only thing that we have that has stood the test of time is the blood. Throughout years of history, we read of where a high priest would go behind the veil and on the Day of Atonement would offer the blood of bulls and goats and sprinkle them on the mercy seat. But there came a day when Jesus became the spotless lamb. And he became the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I could have life. And he says, this will make a difference. And can I tell you, the difference is still present. In a world that's shaking with uncertainty today, with a world that has been bombarded with evil, with a world today that is on the verge of World War III because evil men think they can control things and they have selfish desires and ambitions. In a world today where men are brave enough and bold enough to shake their fist in the face of God and say, we can do it without you. 
God allows those things to go so far. But now we have reached a tipping point in the spiritual realm. And the Lord is very jealous tonight, can I tell you. He will not share his glory with anyone. And you and I in the United States of America, while we still have in God we trust on our money, a large majority no longer know who he is. We are a nation that's filled with idol worship. We have temples built for every other God while his temples sit empty and vacant. But I stand tonight and tell you there is a difference coming. I wish I could have preached you happy tonight or this morning, but I have to deliver what the Lord is putting in my spirit today. And I have to tell you tonight that when you look at many Christian homes, we'll put those in parentheses today in America, the exterior of their lives looks no different than the exterior of the lives of the world. There is no blood present. And that's weighty for this preacher tonight. Because I read in my Bible where it says this, there will be those that will stand before him and try to argue with him and say, but we did this in your name and we did that in your name and we did this in your name. But he says, depart from me because I never knew you. We can play these foolish games if we want to, but can I tell you, we're the ones that, win, that lose in the end if we do. Because he is an all-knowing God. And tonight, I'm going to be honest with you. That the world needs to see some men and some women grab a hyssop branch and Put it in a basin and strike and sprinkle some blood and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a sense of urgency in my spirit tonight to try to articulate to you the importance of the bloodstains of Calvary. Please notice with me, once the blood was applied, there was instructions to stay in the house until morning. Anybody ever see storm clouds coming in the natural? And you knew it was coming, and you knew it was coming fast, but then you remembered on the backside of your house you left your garage door open or you got a car out there and your windows are down and you know what's getting ready just to break loose at any minute but you think maybe I can make it just to get halfway there to get halfway back and everything comes falling down on you and you say oh, oh. if you'd only stayed in the house The enemy puts things out there and says, oh, you need to come out and take care of this and you need to take care of that and you need to take care of this and you need to take care of that. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Listen, we cannot afford, because the hour is so close, we cannot afford to step out from under the blood. There is nothing out there that deserves your attention more so than making sure that the blood is applied and that your family is in and that you stay covered. Because there's a difference that's coming. 
I don't say that to strike fear. I say that to tell you this, that I must remind you that Jesus himself looked at his disciples and said, don't tell me that four months to harvest, but there's a harvest standing out there right now. We've got to do it now because there's a difference coming. There is judgment, yes, but there is a shout of glory as well. But only for those that are under the blood. That's why Paul said this, if I live, so be it. But if I die, so be it. I know who I am in Christ. That's why I don't have to be too fearful tonight. Because to die is to gain. Brother Carl, you don't have to be full of fear today. Whether you're here or whether you're there, you're covered by the blood. God protects his own. As they come to the piano this evening, please hear me tonight. Moses, oh Moses, give them instructions. And he does. But notice what happens. And it come to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptian jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. And the children of Israel journeyed. There is a journey in the spirit that we're getting ready to take because of a release that's coming for the people of God. May I remind you tonight that there is benefits of the blood. It is because of the blood that we have mercy. Hebrews 12 and 4. It is because of the blood that there is a forgiveness of sin in Matthew 26. There is justification because of the blood in Romans 5 and 9. But there is a hand of protection that is given to us. We read that in Exodus chapter 12 this evening. But even beyond that, you and I are healed by the blood. Isaiah 53 and 5. But also we are sanctified by the blood. But my favorite tonight is this. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, you and I are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean tonight? It means this. No weapon formed against us can prosper. It means that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It means that no matter what men may say, think, or do, they cannot stop what God has ordained to be. But in order for there to ever be an Exodus chapter 12, there had to be an Exodus chapter 3 where Moses turned aside to see I wonder tonight if there's anybody that's willing just to turn and to see what God is wanting to do. Tonight I can tell you this, that 
I'm in a season of turning. I'm in a season of pausing and saying, God, show me. And I can only deliver to you what he's delivering to me. And over the last few days and even over the last few hours, he said, just stand and tell my people, I'm getting ready to make a difference between them. You say, why, preacher? The same reason now is the same reason then. He said, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that you may know how that the Lord doeth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. The church in recent years has been marked as unessential, not necessary. We've been mocked, we've been laughed at, we've been ridiculed. Who do they think they are? In the middle of a pandemic, and they think they need to get together and they need to lift their hands and lift their voice. They need to cry out to their God. Why can't they do that by themselves? They don't need to do that. That's just silly. Malt, laughed at, scorn. Men thinking they have the authority to silence that which is ordained of God. God, through his mercy, his patience, and his grace, has given men ample amount of time to repent and to confess their wrongdoings, but yet they choose to arrogantly sit in their places of power and say, we can do what we will. But I stand tonight and tell you, that what we have seen play out on our screens over the last few days in social media and every other media outlet is just a little inkling of what's getting ready to take place in our nation as well as the nations of the world because God says this is the year of difference. This is a year where they will see and experience my favor upon my people. So tonight I have a very simple message very simple message tonight and that is this make sure the blood is applied to your home men of God in this room hear me take the responsibility lead the charge walk outside and look and see if there's any door post that's stained with blood if not go get the lamb Get your hyssop branch. Don't worry about it if it gets on your clothes, on your shoes. But let's make sure the blood is applied. Because what's coming is going to make a difference. There's a shout, yes, of desperation that we will hear. But there will also be a shout of jubilee. Saying that my God is more than enough. And he has delivered me. Can I tell you tonight? I just got one statement to tell you. I want you to hear me clearly. When the dust settles and everything is done, we, the church of Jesus Christ, we win. We are overcomers tonight by his blood and the word of our testimony. Tonight, to my understanding, everybody in this room has the blood applied. And I celebrate that. But here's what I want you to understand. Everyone under the sound of my voice has family that's not yet under the blood. And we must work while it's day. Because there comes a day when night comes and no man will be able to work. I know you got responsibilities this week. 
I know you got obligations this week, but there is nothing that should top your calendar of events more so than trying to reach your family, your community, your nation, and the nations of the world with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in some manner, in some way. I pray you hear my heart tonight. I don't know how better to say it than to just say that in my spirit, I'm not talking months and years. I'm, I'm thinking as the days and the weeks began to just pass to the very beginning of this year, there's a difference that's going to be made. My heart is heavy tonight for my nation. My heart is heavy tonight for the nations of the world. But my heart is really heavy tonight for a church world that does not know who Jesus is. That has been led to believe I can do this and do this and do this and do this and that the blood's not really important. But can I tell you, if the blood isn't present, there is no mercy. There is no justification. There is no sanctification. There's no protection. And there's, real, there's really no redemption. Oh, but when the blood is present, everything changes. As we stand all over the house tonight, please. What's so amazing about this blood is this. A songwriter wrote it like this. It reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. Tonight. Can you say without hesitation. That the blood. Is over the doorpost of your house. You can do what you will with this message tonight. But I will stand by the word that I know is from the Lord in my spirit. That there is a very clear distinction that is coming. Egypt was filled with a cry of desperation. But there was an exiting out of Egypt of a cry of jubilation cry of jubilee because God showed himself mighty on behalf of his people tonight I'm excited about him showing himself in this season I'm excited about what I know is taking place but at the same time I'm heavy because of the innocent's lives that's hanging in the balance today.